I overthink things. And chances are, you do too. And it's okay. I think it comes with the territory of this whole human experience. Fear. Now that, that's usually the culprit. I mean, you don't overthink things you're comfortable with. Things you find easy or fun or things that probably won't greatly impact something else you care about. No. We overthink things that put the most fear into us. Somebody tried to tell me the other day that, now get this, fear isn't real. Oh, really? I mean, tell my overly sweaty armpits and my Usain Bolt fast heart rate that whenever I sense even the slightest degree of fear. Nah, it's real. It's as real as hunger. It's as real as horniness. It's as real as humor. It's as real as hate. Sure, like all of that, you can control it. You can determine how impactful you allow it to be in your life. But it's real. I will say that I get why those super thinkers say that fear isn't real. Fear is an expectation of something happening, perhaps based on things that may have happened in the past, or the anticipation of something based on nothing more than an assumption. The argument is that it's all in our head. And if something isn't here to be touched, felt, taste, seen, or heard right now, then it's a figment of our imagination and therefore not real. If we're not in imminent danger, then we have nothing to worry about. Uh, I guess, I guess I get that. I'm not going to argue over the semantics of the word real and whether they apply here, but I have very intense physical responses when I feel fear and it feels very real to me. Now, I must add the caveat that I'm merely talking about a fear like public speaking or talking to a cute person you like. I'm not talking about that sixth sense you have before putting yourself in a situation that might be harmful to you. Yes, listen to that fear and go the other way. So with sixth sense of possible actual danger aside, here's the thing. Even with fear, you can still act, move forward. I wish that I could say that I always feel fear and do it anyway, whatever it is, but I don't, not always. And I'm embarrassed to actually admit that, but I guess my embarrassment isn't real because I'm not in danger, huh? But I'll concede and say, no, fear isn't physical, so it shouldn't physically stop you. Like any other thought, acknowledge it, see it, hear it, feel it, and then just do what you gotta do. I'm Kayana Ebony Brown, and this is a story of music and men.
At the front of the large room that had met its unofficial capacity about 20 people ago, FKA Twigs, the special guest performer, put the finishing touches on an incredible 20-minute set. Now, as a huge fan, I wasn't going to miss this chance to see her live and for free. So I ignored everything and everybody as if I was at my own personal concert. It wasn't a formal event, so the attire was just as casual and artsy as the attendees themselves appeared to be. Face Magazine was one of the sponsors for a fundraiser on behalf of the Duke Ellington School of the Arts, the city's most prestigious arts high school. Anybody who was anybody in D.C. was there. And although I wasn't particularly a somebody in comparison to the folks there, my connection at the magazine made sure that none of that even mattered. Now, lucky for me, because I'm not one for spending time concerning myself with the minutia of fashion, I have two friends to lean on in such desperate times. With their occupations, both of them had reason to care more than I did about fabric. So in situations like this, when my cluelessness couldn't be overlooked, I at least didn't feel helpless. Since it was her event, tonight was Jay's turn to play dress up with me. She knew my comfort level, so I almost never had to fight her or question her fashion choices. And the best part was that I didn't have to think about clothes. Now once there, Jay and Ty found a pub table with two empty bar stools not far from the food. It's like anybody who's anybody is here, Ty said. This school means a lot to this city, so they usually bring out a lot of VIPs in support of their programs, Jay explained. You know Kenya graduated from here, right? Yeah, you know, where is she anyway? Now, from the moment we arrived, I'd been pulled into at least four different conversations by a former teacher, Mrs. Dorsey, who wanted the new teachers at the school to know that she taught me and that I was doing something she felt was worth bragging about. And perhaps she believed that her social studies lectures had a major impact on my decision to discontinue college and become an entertainment industry entrepreneur. I stood in a small group surrounded by five apparent current instructors whose conversation had become more tangential than focused on my involvement in entertainment. For the life of me, I couldn't find a way out without seeming rude, but I couldn't help but be distracted by the mostly recognizable faces sprinkled throughout the place. The owners of the Washington Spirit Ladies Soccer Club was at the bar talking to the owner of the Mystics, Capitals, and Wizards. The president of D.C.'s Film Commission chatted with a city councilman. The chief of the fire department was secretly fanning out while getting to meet the star outfielder for the Nationals. I was enjoying watching all of this, but was pulled back in by sweet little Miss Dorsey. Kenya? She said to me. I'm thinking that maybe you should come and talk to my class. They will be so impressed. A Suddenly, I could no longer hear a word she was saying. In fact, I couldn't hear anything at all. 
the entire room had fallen silent, or at least it felt that way to me. For a second, there was nobody else in the room other than me and him, Dream Guy. Looking past Mrs. Dorsey's shoulder and way across the room, I spotted him just casually standing with a small group, laughing, talking, and nursing a drink in a small glass. My God, I didn't, I didn't think a person could get better looking in just a matter of weeks, but here we are. He had proven me wrong. It could happen. Maybe it was the more suave attire he had on for this event. Maybe he had done something extra in his grooming routine that he hadn't done the other days. Maybe nothing had changed and I just, I just needed a, a quick reminder of just how damn gorgeous this guy was. My goodness. I hadn't counted on ever, ever even seeing him again. I had written him off as just another missed opportunity due to fear. But there he was. And just as I caught myself nearing salivation, about three or four girls entered his conversation. One of them apparently requesting a hug from him because he reached over and, and gave her a hug. It probably should have been a quick, sweet greeting, but she held on quite tightly, I might add, which caused him to chuckle with embarrassment. And while still being held hostage by the girl, he happened to look up and he caught eyes with me, staring in his direction across the room. His eyes squinted with maybe familiarity for a moment. But that's when she finally let go and he was able to stand upright again. Not one to be interrupted, he looked back over at me and I had to literally tell myself, don't look away. Do not look away. I repeated the phrase about five times in the three additional seconds we held eye contact before I convinced myself to offer up a wave. Don't ask me why I did that, because I don't know, but it wasn't part of my training with Kenneth. I don't know, I don't even know where that came from, honestly. And with this, he started to wave back. He went to bring his hand up, but the girl caught it as she took it and pulled him away to meet someone else. When I tuned back in to Mrs. Dorsey, she was finally realizing that she had a lot more talking to do with other people, so she agreed to email me before finally letting me go. But I was entering a hailstorm coming back to the table with Jay and Ty as I found myself walking in on one of their fruitless debates. Look, it's not even about your strategy, Jay explained. It's like... You have to be willing to take risks in order to get what the fuck you want sometimes. Or else people who are will be the ones getting the positions, the promotions, and the raises that you think you deserve. Ty had actually stopped debating and was actually listening to Jay this time. I was shocked, but kept the thought to myself. Almost whispering, Jay leaned in and said to her, that's the fucking problem. You're not leaving it all out there. 
That's just like with that coffee shop dude you keep telling us about. And then she looked to me for backup on this. <laughs> it's like, Kenya, please, would you tell her that coffee shop guy is not going to just, like, fucking come over to her? I looked at Ty, and I said, Ty, coffee shop guy is not going to just come over to you. <laughs> <laughs> See? Ty disregarded us. Look, I mean, come on, she's just saying no, that. listen to me, okay? Jay reasoned. He's not going to just, like, fucking come over. You'll be telling us the same damn story in a year because you're not doing what the fuck you need to do to make this shit happen. Well, like, what am I supposed to do? What, what is it that you think I should be doing? Well, like, the first thing you want to do is stop talking to us about this shit. I mean, Jesus, like, I mean, I'm sure, sure. We don't mind listening to you, but don't ever ask women for advice about men. It's like terrible. Don't do that. So Ty said, Well, I didn't ask for your advice. No, you're just complaining to me. Same fucking thing. You, you want me to tell you something to make you feel better. I just can't <laughs> <I> do that. <laughs> Ty tried resisting her smile as she shook her head. So... Since we're having this conversation, I'm going to go ahead and tell you what to do. I mean, I am already helping you. Are you, Jay? Are you? Ty asked, loaded with sarcasm. All right, you ready? Ty rolled her eyes and glanced at me with a smirk on her face like she almost honestly couldn't even believe that she was even about to listen to this. But, reluctantly... She agreed to hear it. What the hell? Sure. Jay gave a dramatic pause for about three seconds before coming out with... Smile. Ty looked at her, waiting for the rest. And then she looked at me as if I had something to add. Which, considering my recent training with Kenneth Gold, wasn't far-fetched. But I was all out of pointers for this evening. Smile? Smile. Jay confirmed. That's it. Just smile at him. It shows that you're open. All men are looking for is an opening. From there, it'll be, it'll be easy. And stop thinking about all that other bullshit about who approaches who first and who says what, when, and how. It's like none of that even matters. All you want to do is have a conversation with the man. Meet him. That's it. I mean, if anything else Nothing happens. else <laughs> is going to happen. Ty cut in. I don't know. I mean, I'm just, just saying. You know? I mean, you never know. Funny. Had Jay really put her mind to it, she could have had her own coaching business like Kenneth Gold. Women would pay her handsomely to have the knowledge she had about men. But I guess active players can't coach and be in the game at the same time. I was in need of some fresh air, so I stepped away without either of them even realizing it. Their conversation had gone back to Ty's job situation and what her next steps should be. 
Considering the sub 50 degree weather, there were only a handful of people out on the terrace, drinking and conversing, despite the venue's effort to heat the area with those decorative outdoor lamps. I tried to tell myself that fresh air was the reason I'd gone out there, but that was just a rehearsed excuse if I was asked. I mean, I was really trying to low-key look for that dude. <laughs> Did I know what I was going to do? Nope. Did I have something prepared to say? Not in the slightest. After five days with one of the top dating experts in the world, I was still a bit gun-shy. I mean, this wasn't a random guy in a bookstore. This was Dream Guy from the Apple Store. <laughs> yeah, now that I say that out loud, I realize how silly it might have been to be so nervous. He was just a guy. He was a Dream Guy, though. I peered out at the perfect view of the White House in the near distance, illuminated by its surrounding light. And right at that moment, I looked down the railing to my right to see Dream Guy, about 10 yards away, perhaps also in need of some fresh air and solitude to go along with this gorgeous view. He hadn't looked to his left, so he didn't even see me. And just then, two girls came out and went right over to him, and I could hear one of them say something about joining him. He turned to them and responded very politely. That's okay. I'm good alone. I do thank you, though. And they both reluctantly turned and walked away. But just as he was motioning back to his original position, leaning over the rail, looking out at the night skyline, that's when he saw me. I could feel his eyes when they landed on the side of my face as I was pretending to give DC my full attention. After a few moments, I turned and he was still looking in my direction. In that moment, I had forgotten everything I had learned over that week with Kenneth. But the one thing I just heard Jay tell Ty inside was what stuck out in my mind the most. Smile. And so, that's what I did. I didn't look away. I didn't walk off. I just lashed him one of my absolute best, most sincere smiles. And what do you know? Uh, he, he smiled back. <laughs> so what? Is, is that like your fan club or something? I joked. And he laughed. <laughs> No, I mean, I, I thought you had to be—I thought you had to be famous to have fans. No, no, they—they they let average Joes have them. I'm sure. It's usually capped at about three, though. But from what I counted, you are way over your limit, Mister. And again, he liked my joke. Only this time, he started to step closer, and I decided to meet him halfway. Hi, I'm. My name is Kenya. He reached for my hand in order to greet me with a shake, and I gave it to him. Well, you know, it's nice to finally meet you, Kenya. Finally? Yeah, I mean, I've seen you around. He said, still holding my hand. He noticed me? <laughs> I thought. 
he, he actually noticed me. I started to feel silly about wasting all of this time when he actually noticed me. I mean, we, we could have met weeks ago. Looking at me, his eyes quickly went down and back up to mine as he said, And you look absolutely amazing tonight. <laughs> and now, I'm sorry, I could not hide my blush. I almost giggled, but stopped myself and just went with, Well, thank you. I'm, I'm sorry, he said, shaking his head as if he made a terrible mistake. I'm, I'm Derek. And <laughs> I, I still have your hand. We both started laughing as he finally let go of my hand. Derek St. Cyr, this time giving his full name. Derek St. Cyr, I repeated, letting him know that his name sounded familiar to me. Derek St. Cyr was a Texan who had recently become somewhat celebrated in D.C., which is not always the easiest thing for a Texan to do considering D.C.'s football rivalry with the Cowboys. His community work, particularly with children and his involvement with D.C.'s missing girls epidemic, had also been getting quite a bit of news and social media coverage. He now had a name around these parts. I guess you're a step above an average Joe, I joked again. <laughs> and he laughed and said, So... I'm not just, like, this creepy dude with the random fan club, huh? No. I mean, I'll admit, though, I do admire your work, although not enough to join the roadshow. Sorry. I was kidding about the flock of girls that seemed to follow him around the place here. In fact, as we talked, the two that wanted to join him had not left. They were standing within earshot, pretending not to hear our conversation. Derek took a relaxed breath and continued to smile. I could tell that he was finding my charm comforting. Discreetly, he leaned in and he said to me, They keep asking me if I want company. Well, when you make a name for yourself around these parts like you have lately, people gravitate toward that. And yet, you didn't even know who I was. Ah, he had me there. I couldn't look away from him, and I guess he felt the same because he wouldn't look away from me either. His eyes were a bold, deep brown, the kind you could easily get lost looking into. And as I kept looking, I found myself far away from that terrace on which we were sharing this exchange in a place where Derek was somebody I knew very well and laughed with very often and shared meals and secrets and hugs and kisses with. He was there with me, and when he wasn't, I certainly wanted him to be. And when we were together, nobody else existed in the whole world. And then, suddenly I was back. So... <laughs> yeah, not exactly, I said. And then with a smile, I added, Well, I do donate my time, if that counts. And he smiled. No, I actually, I actually graduated from here. Really? I bet now you're like this big-time artist that maybe I had my head too far in the sand to have heard of. Am I right? No, I'm actually... Uh, I own an indie record label. 
wow, an entrepreneur. I want to be an entrepreneur when I grow up. He joked. Well, trust me, it's much harder than it looks, okay? Especially when you have very limited resources and you reach a point where it feels like you're not sure what's the best move to make for the future of everything and everyone involved. Uh, I mean, it can be a lot of pressure having control over other people's livelihoods. You know what I mean? He didn't agree that he actually knew what I meant, but he nodded and took in everything I was saying while staring blankly at the floor as if he was putting some extra thought into it. And then he said, Have you ever heard the phrase, run to daylight? I shook my head and replied, No. It's something one of my old mentors used to use all the time. It was coined by Vince Lombardi, like this legendary football coach. And then he took his time to finish because he apparently wanted to get this point right. In football, the coach will design a play that should create the best opportunity for the guy with the ball to score. But the design pattern may not always be the best route toward the goal. So run to daylight is a way of telling the runner to break away, take off to where he sees an opening, create his own lane, essentially. I nodded as I followed where he was taking me. So I say, don't overthink it. <laughs> don't stress yourself out. I mean, you're brilliant. You're a brilliant woman, I'm sure. The right move will always come to you. A guy two times Derek's size appeared next to us. Hey, D. We gotta go, man. All right. Derek said to him. And then he looked back to me, noticeably searching for what he was going to say next. Uh, so <laughs> it was like really nice to finally meet you and get the chance to talk with you, Mrs. Miss. I corrected. Miss Shaw. He caught the implication of my correction that I was not married, but in fact, very, very single. And he smiled. Miss Shaw, <laughs> Kenya. And he smiled again. And I smiled again. And the big guy who was not smiling realized that Derek wasn't leaving as quickly as he'd hoped, so he just decided to step away to wait. So I said, uh, How about we, we talk again sometime if, you know... You would like to? Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's like, absolutely. He said, pulling out his cell. I quickly retrieved mine from my clutch, gave him my number, and watched as he called me so that I would have his, too. As we both listened for our call to connect, I seized the opportunity to return the favor and make him blush. I don't know if anyone's ever told you this, but... You have an incredibly beautiful smile. And just as my phone started ringing, showing a 972 area code, Derek dropped his head in an attempt to hide his smile, which, of course, made me smile too. I would call my coach, Kenneth, the very next day to give him the details about the night. And he would inform me that Derek will tell his friends 
about how he picked me up at a charity art show. But come on, we all know that it was me who put in the real work here to make this happen, right? <laughs> Derek took my hand again for a farewell handshake and said, we'll definitely be in touch. And then he smiled and nicknamed me Maestro before walking away to meet the big guy who was patiently waiting. I watched him as he walked away. Yes, absolutely checking him out from behind until I could no longer see him. And left behind was that intoxicating aroma of chocolate. I turned back to continue looking out at the clear night sky, reflecting on what had just happened with Dream, I mean, Derek. Ah, who am I kidding? I was a fan from the moment I first laid eyes on him. was written and produced by me, Kayana, with some music from Filmstro, but we also had some music from Legang, Waiting For You, and Sunset Eyes by Inasi. Music for our word of inspiration is by Scott Buckley. Now for more information on these artists and how you can support their efforts, Please visit our show notes in your podcast app or go to ofmusicandmen.com and select this episode. If you would like to have your music featured on the show, check out our website for more information on how you can submit. Now, Music and Men, of course, you know, is so much more than just a podcast. We have a novella series and it is available in online bookstores. And if you wish to have yourself a physical copy, you can do so by going to our website at ofmusicandmen.com where you can also get t-shirts and other cool merch. Now, don't forget to subscribe at Apple, Stitcher, or wherever it is you prefer to listen to your podcasts. And remember to rate and review. I love to hear what you're thinking. Lastly, connect with us on Patreon where you can become a part of this journey and this project and help it to grow into everything that it was meant to be. Make sure also to share this some way, somehow with at least one of your friends. And of course, follow Of Music and Men everywhere online at Of Music and Men. And when you do, please don't hesitate to reach out. Artists and entrepreneurs are a very unique type. I mean, we face lots of rejection, almost too often for comfort. So, whether you're a seasoned business owner or creator, aspiring to be one, or you're simply here to hear a great story, I want to always give you something to ponder until next time. Today's word is from Kobe Bean Bryant. I have self-doubt. I have insecurity. I have fear of failure, 
I have nights when I show up at the arena and I'm like, my back hurts, my feet hurt, my knees hurt. I don't have it. I just want to chill. We all have self-doubt. You don't deny it, but you also don't capitulate to it. You embrace it. When we lost Kobe Bryant in January of 2020, I have to say we lost probably the truest example of what this human experience is really all about. I mean, we saw him at his best and we saw him at his worst. I mean, he was known as the Black Mamba because like the Black Mamba on the court and in life, he had like this killer instinct, that relentlessness, you know? <laughs> it was like, if he was ever afraid of losing or failing, that information stayed inside of him. I mean, he never let it control how he played the game, either on or off the court. I look forward to meeting him. I mean, honestly, it was for very selfish reasons. I have uh, different projects that I'm trying to work on that I thought that he would be a good fit to partner with me on. And uh, he was one of the few people I really, really looked forward to meeting. And I never got that chance. But I always looked at him as uh, like a great example of redemption and fearlessness. Uh, when they told him that after basketball, he'd be depressed or lost, he knew he wouldn't because he knew he wanted to take another big leap at something that honestly, arguably is just as challenging as being a pro athlete. And that's being a professional storyteller. Uh, he was never afraid to fail. He even said, if you're afraid to fail, you're probably gonna fail. So even in death, I look to him uh, for ways to continue navigating many aspects of life. So I tell you, look to Kobe Bryant right now as an example for how you can face your fears. <laughs>